The Dan Bongino Show. Get ready to hear the truth about America with your host, Dan Bongino. Welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Producer Joe, how are you on this fine Monday? No shortage of things to talk about, do you think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The weekends are always rough, man. Because I, I have to triage yeah. your needs, folks. I have to determine, based on your emails and feedback on the show, what the most important things over the weekend are to get out to you on a very busy Monday morning. Man. All right. Um, where do we start? So I did a couple of Fox hits this weekend. I was up in New York for Fox and Friends, which is always fun, by the way. I enjoy going back home to New York. I don't think I could live there anymore. The tax rates are too high, but I still love the people and the energy. I mean, you grow up there. You never really get the New Yorker out of you. And being up uh, on Fox, for a little behind the scenes, it's it's always, it's always the hits are always better. Um, hits, that's like an in- industry term. The hits, the appearances are always better. When you're in studio, it's a lot more energy and there's a better back and forth and the yeah. dynamic. I mean, I don't mind doing remotes from my house, but uh, they're always better in studio. Had a lot of fun. I uh, was at a Christmas party on Friday night with a lot of folks you would know. I uh, was, ch- was chatting with Buck Sexton and people. So I, I had a really good time. And I did a hit and I got into talking about how, um, and I did another one. And it's funny. I did the hit from Fox and Friends' studio on Saturday, <laughs> flew home, and then uh, did a hit from my studio in Palm City on uh, on Saturday night. The people were like, ah, how'd you get back? But uh, what a mess at LaGuardia, by the way. They're, they're undergoing construction. And it was one of these things where the Delta boards by zones, but the zones are always like not done right. It was a total mess. I was like, gosh. And this lady in front of me who was getting on a plane who was must have had four or five vodkas before she got on was like, I'm handicapped. She kept screaming it. And it was like, the people were like, okay, do you want to, like, what do you want us to do? She wasn't handicapped. She was walking around in stiletto heels. I'm not kidding. I, I mean, unless it was something I didn't see, but it was just totally bizarre. So I got home, finally did my hit. So I was talking about on the show on Judge Janine and, and on the Fox and Friends appearance, how this is really an unprecedented attack on the presidency. I just want to hit this quick before I get into some of the stuff I uh, that's, that's really uh, digging me. Folks, this is entirely unprecedented what's going on. Some of the news broke last week that you may uh, you may have seen or you may have missed. And one of the news bits that I found fascinating was the fact that uh, an attorney who had been uh, basically corralling people who claimed to have been you know, s- sexually put in a bad position mm-hmm. by Donald Trump, you know, whether harassment or inappropriate talk. Mm-hmm. Uh, this attorney, it broke last week that, that th- there were people who were volunteering to give six-figure sums for people to come forward and make allegations against Trump or to pay them off after they did. Now, folks, that obviously creates a source of serious conflict. If there is a six-figure sum waiting at the end of a, a yellow brick road for you, if you make an allegation that you don't have to substantiate at all um, against the President of the United States, that he made you uncomfortable in an elevator or said something about you, that creates an incentive, Joe, for people to say things that may not be true. That's right. Um, So now you combine that with the fact that we've had this special counsel investigation based on charges nobody can prove. So now we have people offering people money to make allegations against the sitting president. Second, we have a special counsel investigation based on charges not one person has been able to produce a scintilla of evidence uh, actually exist. And as I said to Chris Hahn in a debate on Judge Jeanine, you know, you can debate the effectiveness and necessity of a special counsel. I, I will agree with you, folks. I don't think special counsels, as I've said repeatedly, are the best idea. But if special counsels are going to be a weapon, 
used against the, uh, Donald Trump from this point on, then the only way to fight back is the special counsel, the special counsel, to show Democrats that special counsels are not the path forward. But one of the rebuttals people make uh, frequently is, well, we had a special counsel on on uh, Bill and uh, and Hillary with Whitewater and, and Travelgate and all that stuff mm-hmm. that resulted in the Lewinsky thing. OK, fine. I'm not telling you special counsels are a good idea. But, Joe, here's the difference. Mm-hmm. The Whitewater land deals the Clintons were involved in that elicited all this suspicion actually happened. <laughs> they were real. Yeah, they were real. <laughs> Whether a special counsel was the best way to investigate it or not, fair question, point stipulated. I concur, doctor. But (laughs) the point is it actually happened. So when I say to you Trump is under unprecedented ta- uh, an unprecedented attack on the presidency and the constitutional republic, as we know it, I'm not making this up. I'm not making this up. People are offered now six-figure sums to come forward and say, hey, the president grabbed me. Now it's a special counsel investigation on a Russian collusion matter that nobody can produce a, a scintilla, an iota, a drop, an ounce of evidence that even happened. That's the difference with Whitewater and these other special counsel investigations or special investigators or other things that were involved, independent commissions and all these other things. They actually happen. Benghazi, when we had a, a so-called independent investigation, we had the uh, ARB, which was a mess. But that actually happened, Benghazi. This didn't, there's no evidence this happened at all. No one's produced anything. Then we have the FBI insurance policy. I'm not, again, blaming the men and women of the FBI. You all are wonderful and you have my full support and always will. I know you, not all of you, but many of you, I've worked with some of them on cases. They are terrific. But you had the Peter Strzok text messages to his uh, his paramour, his love interest, Lisa Page, uh, his mistress, saying he was investigating Hillary and Trump and he was talking about an insurance policy. So now we have six-figure sums paid to people to make allegations. We have a special counsel investigation founded on absolutely nothing. Uh, We have an FBI insurance policy that uh, they talked about. We need an insurance policy in the event Trump is elected. Uh, Talking about an insurance policy, people assigned to investigate Trump. What was the insurance policy? I could make the case to you strongly that the insurance policy was a steel dossier. The Democrat paid for uh, oppo research on the Republican uh, candidate, uh, Donald Trump, at the time. And then, you know, one one final component of this is you have this litany of media fake news. You had the Mike Flynn was ordered to contact the Russians as a, when Trump was a candidate story. Fake, total fake news. Uh, it was not as a candidate. It was as the president-elect, which changes the entire dynamic of the story. You had the Deutsche Bank fake news. Deutsche Bank is uh, is been asked to look into Trump's bank records by investigators. It was not about Trump. It may have been about associates of Trump, but it was not about Trump. Um, and then you had the Don Trump Jr. He was contacted by WikiLeaks on September 4th story. Uh, fake news. It was not September 4th. It was September 14th. That date is critical because the WikiLeaks information was already made public at that point, And Don Jr. never responded to the emails. So these are fake news stories. Folks, this is an unprecedented attack on the presidency. And this should really worry you. If you're one of our liberal listeners out there. I'm really, I'm imploring you as an American citizen. I get it. We have significant political differences. I I understand that. I get it. I don't agree with you on taxes. I don't agree with you on healthcare. I don't agree with you uh, candidly in a a larger 30,000 foot view. I don't agree with you about the government's role in our society. But can we not set a ground level for the debate. A ground level will never will never drop into the basement on. And that ground level is that the government and the targeting 
of American citizens without any backup information or evidence of impropriety at all is wrong, even if that person is a president of the United States you don't like. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you, I, 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 I you know, I'm not giving you the virtue signal, signaling line. I'm, I'm not trying to appear like some kind of moral superior to anyone out there. Mm-hmm. But I'm telling you, if this happened to Barack Obama, I would be speaking out the exact same way. I have. I mean, when someone leveled the charges at an event I was at about Obama that I thought were insane, they really were. I was at a Heritage event, actually, Heritage uh, Heritage Foundation event down at D.C. I was quick to speak out because I thought that was unnecessary. I thought it was an unnecessary personal attack that wasn't going to advance our cause at all. This kind of stuff has to have unanimous bipartisan support. Paying people to make allegations against someone? Imagine if that was you. Imagine if that was Obama. Special counsel investigations based on no evidence of wrongdoing at all? An FBI insurance policy in case Trump is elected because the people investigating him say it's a, quote, a risk we cannot take? Media fake news stories that imply that the Trumps did nothing, uh, did something wrong when in fact they did nothing wrong at all, completely fabricated details of the story? This is bad stuff, folks. This is really bad. If we can't agree on that, I mean, we're going to have a difficult time continuing fidelity to the constitutional republic as we have it now. Disturbing. Mm -hmm. Very disturbing stuff. All right. Moving on. Story number two. This was fascinating. I saw uh, Tim Ryan on the... Uh, on Fox and Friends this weekend on the curvy couch. He is a Democratic lawmaker. He paints himself as a representative of he's, he's in the House of Representatives, a congressman. I think he's from Ohio. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's the case. He ran against Nancy Pelosi for the minority leader position. He got smoked. But he's kind of an interesting character, this Tim Ryan, because he paints himself, Joe, as a you know man of the people type. Like, I'm part of the working class, dirt under the fingernails, American type, you know? Damn right. You're damn right. Right. And I don't get it because every time he opens his mouth, although he he claims to be, again, the opposite of a Nancy Pelosi Democrat, more of a, hey, we're looking out for the middle class type of guy. um, He goes on these TV shows and he had a remember that um, was it a couple months ago? We covered him. We had sound bites from him and Neil Cavuto, and he was just parroting the far left talking points. That's all he was doing. Well, he did it again on Fox and Friends this weekend, and it's interesting because he keeps bringing up these points that the liberals keep parroting about the GOP growth agenda, mm-hmm. a tax package, and regulatory reform, and he keeps attacking the Republicans. And I wanted to go through a few of these because, one, they'll give you healthy information to debate your silly liberal friends. But secondly, they're becoming so pervasive and spread by media hacks who'd have no idea what they're talking about that I think people are starting to believe this stuff is, in fact, true. Yeah. Yeah. I have, matter of fact, I have a, a, a quote from a Washington Examiner piece from CBS that was going to make you laugh, but I'll get to that in a second. So the first thing he said, he was talking about the, the growth agenda and the uh, tax package out there. He said this, and and CBS kind of echoed this claim in different form, and I'll read that quote in a second. But Ryan said that regarding the tax cuts, he said, well, we're going to borrow money from China to pay for it. Wait, 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 wait. wait. You heard that one? We're going to borrow money from China to pay for it. Hold on, I'm going to take a little B12 score. Yeah. Mm. That stuff tastes pretty good, too. Give me a little boost of energy. How are we borrowing money from China to pay for tax cuts? Folks, do you see how logically this makes no sense at all? (laughs) When your liberal friends and people like Tim Ryan, who claims to be a centrist, but who's really a liberal, say things like this. Can we stop for a moment, take a time out and think about this rationally? What is a tax rate cut? What is it in essence? Ask your liberal friend, what is a tax rate cut? 
It is a cut in the percentage of your income or the percentage of a business's income that they, in fact, then turn over to the government. It may or may not be a cut in the amount of money they turn over to the government. This is where liberals always get confused. They do not understand the distinction between, or in Tim Ryan's case, they do, and they're just, I think, lying to you. This is not a stupid man. He's just lying or manipulating you, right? (laughs) They do not understand the critical difference between tax rate cuts and and, and actual money turned over to the government and, and revenue cuts. In other words, because I cut the rate a business or a person pays to the government if they are paying 50%. And thanks to the guy, by the way, emailed me about the math mistake, embarrassing one I made last week's show. I get, if you listen to the show again, you'll pick it up. I cut two numbers in half. One of them was supposed to double. Hmm. But thank you to the listener who sent me that. I was thinking about it over the weekend. I'm like, yeah, he's right. Like, How did I screw that one? And I probably went, yeah. yeah, yeah. You're, No, you said, yeah. <laughs> Just like the dude from Trading Places. No, no. It, it, I, you know, when you do shows on the fly, you just, yeah. you're thinking too, sometimes my brain gets ahead of me. But the point is you have to understand the difference between a rate cut and a revenue cut. Just because your rates are being cut, the GOP, the entire ethos that they've built their their ideological economic house on is the idea that when you cut tax rates or the percentage of someone's income or a business's income that they turn over to the government, that that money, this is the important point here, folks, that money has to go somewhere. It doesn't disappear. If I'm giving you 20% of my income and then I turn over 15%, that 5%, I'm air quotes here, Joe, allowed to keep, mm-hmm. gee, thanks, you know, allowed to keep my own money, that 5% has to go somewhere. And as I've said repeatedly on the show, there are only really three options for it when it comes to the, the uh, corporate tax, the business tax, which is what the Democrats seem to be so against. They can consume it, invest it, or spend it. Spend it, meaning they can hand it out to their, and this is just my breakdown. I, I know it may not make sense, the terminology I use, but it's an easy way for me to remember it. Spend it, meaning they can give the money to the owners of the company, the shareholders. So you can get a dividend payout, there can be a stock price bump due to increase the you know, valuation because they have cash on, on the books. Mm-hmm. So they can spend it. They can invest it, meaning they can take the money they're keeping and not giving to the government and give it to other companies. They can do a merger and acquisition, Joe. They can buy stock in another company. Or they can consume it. Meaning they can spend the money again, but spend it internally on new factories, new equipment, mm-hmm. employee raises, all of that stuff. My point in this is all three of those scenarios are growth-oriented, uh, free market, American citizen positive scenarios where the American citizen makes out. If they consume it inside, and I'm sorry if I'm getting a little wonky here, but please try to follow me because this is critical because this is going to go on in perpetuity now after these tax cuts happen, hopefully this week. You're good so far, yeah. All right, cool. If they consume it, in other words, they take the money they didn't give to the government. Mm -hmm. They were paying 20% or in the case of the business tax, they were paying 35%. That was the tax rate. The tax cuts are offering 20%. That's a 15 percentage point cut. If they consume it internally in the company, And buy new equipment, they make the workers more productive. More productive workers demand more money. Mm -hmm. That's the way wages go up. That's, folks, that's an economic fact. That is an, an irrefutable data point. Secondly, if they invested in other companies, then the other companies get the money and they get to follow the same course. They can consume it, invest it, or spend it themselves. Either way, the money winds up in the free market economy dominated by American citizens and the businesses they work for. Mm-hmm. If they inv- if they spend the money, spend it on shareholders, folks, I've got news for you. They say shareholders, that sounds like a rich person thing. It's not. 
You have a pension fund? You work for a pension? What do you think they're investing in? Government bonds exclusively? They're investing in American companies. A lot of Americans own stock. They're not all rich people. I own stock. I'm not rich. Either way, what the point I'm trying to make is the rate cuts, and I'll get back to the China thing in a minute, but I, you have to understand the background first. Either way, the rate cuts on the taxes leave money in the free market economy that no matter which way you look at it has to be in the hands at some point of American citizens, whether business owners, business employees, or owners of the business who are stockholders. There's no other way. Now, if leaving money in the pockets of American citizens, business owners, employees, regardless, American citizens, the people who produce economic growth and prosperity in this country, if leaving money in their wallets through rate cuts makes them better off, that's not refutable, folks. They're not burning the money. It's not refutable if you live in the world of common sense. How are we borrowing money from China to, quote, pay for tax cuts? To pay for what? Now, Joe, mm-hmm. I'm not messing with you here. Okay. Can you explain that to me? How if I give you, let me ask you a simple question. Mm-hmm. If I give you a five percentage point tax cut, mm-hmm. okay? In other words, you whatever, you're paying 20%. Now I say, Joe, you only have to pay me 15%. I'm Dan Bongino, federal government monarch. I take, I'm the king who taxes everything. If I say, Joe, give me 20% next year and say, I say, Joe, give me 15%. Yeah. How would I, King Dan, mm-hmm. have to borrow money from China to pay for money I didn't take from you. What does that make any sense? No, it would make make me feel good, dilly dilly. You know, <laughs> of course it would because you get more money. Yeah. But this is because understand this. This is a silly Democrat talking point they're using because it tested well in a focus group. <laughs> That's what we're borrowing money to China to pay for. Pay for what are you paying for, Joe? By any normal reading of the terminology, pay for are not are, are we not talking about the transfer of money to acquire something else? In other words, Joe, yeah. we pay you for your production engineering services for the Dan Bongino show, correct? Yes, you do, Dan. We. I assume they, I don't know how they see our pay. They direct deposit, whatever. It doesn't matter. So they give you money in exchange for services. That's paying for, right? That's right. If we don't take your services, and just like the government do a tax rate cut, doesn't take more of your money. Mm -hmm. If so, not a trick question. If I no longer were to demand Joe Armacost service to the chagrin of my audience who loves Big Joe, (laughs) would I then have to pay you for services I do not take. Uh, the answer to that is no, Dan. The answer to that, Dan, is no. <laughs> this guy is on a roll again. <laughs> How do you pay for something you don't take? I don't know. Now, of course you don't know because you, you have an IQ above 100 and you're not an imbecile. Here from the Washington Examiner. This is a great piece. It'll be in the show notes at Bongino.com. Please subscribe to my email list, folks. It helps us out a lot. I get these. I'll fire these emails, uh, these articles I read right to your inbox, right? Here's a good one. The Washington Examiner, they quote from it. (laughs) Again, on the same line about how not taking people's money is somehow paying for something. It says, consider, for example, CBS's claim. That, quote, the transfer of public wealth to the private sector has left governments without the resources needed to invest enough in education, health, and other measures to help counter inequality. 
Wait, read that opening sentence again, please. The, the I'm talking to myself. Yeah. I'm asking myself to reread something. That the transfer of public wealth to the private sector. How, wait, wait, wait. So the, what is public <laughs> wealth? what I'm wondering. <laughs> public wealth as if the government has a bank account where the money comes from like Martians or... Or angels and demons or something, like some otherworldly, you know, spawn <laughs> from the comic books kind of character realm. Folks, my cousin used to love that comic book. I didn't read it, but he was obsessed with it. There's no such thing as public wealth. Pu- Jeez. Guys, ladies, please follow me here on this one. Because if we can't dismantle the overarching 30,000-foot silly ideological arguments of the left, everything else is meaningless. What is public wealth? It doesn't make any sense. I have wealth. Joe has wealth. Mm-hmm. There are people at CR have wealth. But there's no conservative review in CRTV. But there's no CRTV wealth. There's money that comes into CRTV that filters down to the employees from subscribers if you're a CRTV subscriber. But there's no... And folks, I can prove it to you. If there was some collective public wealth, using a business analogy, just like there was some collective CRTV wealth, why wouldn't we all get a shot at it? Mm. Right, Joe, am I... Right? Yeah. Me and you would say, oh, there's a pot of money at CRTV? It's it's public? It's like, give me more. I'll take it. Joe, I'm tripling your salary. Go to the CRTV public wealth pot. I'll be they would right say, there. Yeah, you're damn right. You'd be first online. So would I. The point is, because it's wealth does not make it public. It is owned by the owners of the company that decide how to give that wealth to the employees and give that wealth back to the subscribers in terms of content in an exchange of services. The taxpayers are no different. There's no such thing as public wealth. There's people who give money to the government and the government picks its winners and losers and gives it out to other people. You have no claim over it whatsoever outside of what the government says you can take back. Oh, no, sure I do. I get my social security. You, you Really? You sure? You sure you're getting your social security? You're getting social security. But trust me, it's not yours. The money you gave in to the do payroll taxes, to social security. I'm not attacking you for it. Don't email me. I hate when people do that. I am not attacking you for paying into a system you didn't design that failed you. Please, to social security recipients. I for the third time, I am not attacking you. I'm just stating a fact. It is not your money. The money you gave, the physical dollar bill you transferred electronically to the government through a payroll tax is gone. It has been spent. It was given to someone else through entitlement programs and already spent. It's gone. It is a pay-go process, meaning the people paying now, me, Joe, other people paying payroll taxes, are giving you our dollars. It's not your fault. I'm not attacking you. I'm just telling you there is no public wealth. There is no entitlement to public wealth outside of what the government tells the private citizen he can have from the taxpayer honeypot. So when CBS says something like the transfer of public wealth to the private sector is it, it has left governments without the resources, that's insane. There cannot be a transfer of public wealth because there's no such thing as public wealth. There is simply the taking 
And this is the this is it, Joe. This is where it all comes together. There is no public wealth. There is only the taking of private free market American citizen money, the taking of it and the giving to other American citizens. There is no public wealth. They use that terminology to make you believe that the government has some pot of money it uh, benevolently generates from sources you'll never know, and that when tax rate cuts happen, that, that pot of money somehow shrinks to give out goodies to others. That is simply not the case. Tax rate cuts are simply giving... I'm using even that terminology. Yeah, you got caught. (laughs) I did. Are simply people keeping more of the money they've earned themselves. Right. You don't borrow money from China. I spent a lot of time on this, but it's necessary to pay for something you never took. All right. Secondly... He's parroting this nonsense claim again that the wealthy are going to benefit from this. Now, this is crap, and I'm, I, I, I want to just make a few points. There's another fantastic piece in the Examiner today I'll put in the show notes. Very well done. And they talk about how CBS, others, uh, Tim Ryan types, and the liberals keep parroting this point that these tax rates cuts are going to benefit the wealthy. And one of the points they're using is research by Thomas, uh, or if you, if you wanted me to use the, the fake French accent, Thomas Piketty, I do not do <laughs> French accents. Well, Joe is far better at that type of stuff. Uh-huh. You, oh, yeah. Thomas Piketty. I'll call him Thomas Piketty. But it's uh, like spaghetti, but Piketty. Uh, Piketty wrote this book about inequality that went nuclear with the left. Uh, portions of the book have been largely debunked based on uh, questionable statistical methods. The point of his book, Joe, is that inequality uh, has been increasing in the United States due to capital formation and basically a bunch of fat cats are living off investments and not working while the working class is getting their butt kicked. Um, inequality is an issue. It's always an issue. Uh, that is not debatable. What is debatable is Piketty's assertions that it is somehow worse in the United States than it is elsewhere. Why am I bringing this up? In defense of this tax plan, they're trotting out Piketty again because this is what they do. He published, Joe, the World Inequality Report. (gasps) What? What? The World Inequality Report. Oh my gosh, this sounds bad. It paints an unbelievably disingenuous picture. And by the way, the New Yorker and other left-leaning rags have doubled down on this. And one, the New Yorker actually said, Joe, that in this uh, damning you know, expose of the World Inequality Report, the New Yorker doubles down on the assertions and says that uh, the United States is now more unequal than Europe and China. So, oh, oh yes, because people are dying to uh, uh, leave the United States and uh, wind up in Europe and of course China. That's a big problem, Joe. We lost tens of millions of citizens last year leaving the United States to become Chinese citizens. Oh, oh wait, what? <laughs> you just made that up? Yes, I did. It's total crap, of course, and any common sense person knows that, even liberals listening, right? Here are the actual numbers from the Washington Examiner piece, which will thoroughly refute this. And again, I'm bringing it up because it's being used by the media, so we're clear on the points here. We're debunking some nonsense talking points. Remember, we don't borrow money from China for stuff we don't take. You don't pay for something you don't take. Secondly, that the wealthy benefit, and they're saying, look, the wealthy you're benefiting, it's going to make inequality worse, these tax rate cuts. Here are the actual numbers. The average wage in the United States, Joe, $35,700 a year. $35,700. Now, the New Yorker wants to, you have to be a dope to believe this. They want you to believe that the United States is more unequal than Europe and China. Okay, so if the average, you have Jay's abacus, Joe? 
Yes, I do, Dan. Get Jay Zab. We haven't busted Jay Zabicus out of him. Okay, I'm going to give you some numbers. Now, Joe, again, as always, this is very, very complicated math. I love this part. Yeah, I know you do. This is going to be tough. I'm going to ask you a greater than or lesser than question. I know you're going to have to use the abacus. Yeah. Hat tip to Jay to figure this out. So the mm-hmm. average wage in the United States, Joe, mm-hmm. 35700 So again, the assertion we're dealing with here, I hear you moving the abacus around, getting ready, is that Europe and China are far better places for equality than the United States. So you would think that if the United States average wage is 35700 of course, mm-hmm. the average wage in Europe and China must be far higher because mm-hmm. it's such a better situation for people who are poor and middle class, right, Joe? Mm-hmm. So okay. is this number I'm going to give you, this is the average wage in China, less than okay. or greater than 35700 Are you ready? Okay, yeah. Get yeah. the abacus. Also. The average wage in China is ten thousand three hundred dollars. Joe, mm-hmm. is ten thousand three hundred greater than or lesser than thirty five thousand seven hundred? Get the abacus out. Oh, I gotta figure this out. Okay, try it, buddy. Uh, try it's, it. uh, it's less, Dan. It's less. It's less, Dan. It's less. <laughs> oh, <laughs> what? That's crazy. That's the New Yorker said otherwise. Clearly, the New Yorker is wrong again. Of course, ten thousand three hundred dollars, the average wage in China, which, by the way, is probably largely statistically manipulated due to the uh, socialist control of the Chinese economy and the socialist control of information that flows out of China. Ten thousand three hundred is, of course, far less than the thirty-five thousand seven hundred thousand dollars. Uh, average wage in the United States. Joe, here's one more. Get the abacus mm-hmm. ready. Okay. Because they cited uh, Europe and China. So let's, oh, Russia was in one of these, uh, was in one of these mainstream media hack outlets too, that Russia is even better than we are for inequality. So the average wage in the United States, again, 35,700, Joe, the average wage in Russia, is it less than or greater than 35,700? And the number is $8,000, Joe. Less. 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 It's less. It's less. It's less. It's less. It's less. I got it. It's less. Dude. 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 You are on fire oh, with man. the math the I last never felt few weeks. So smart. Of course, because you, it, Joe, clearly your intellectual aptitude and achievement levels are higher than, than most people around the world. You are a you are in the Justice League of intellectual superheroes. Yeah. Based on, I mean, the, the evidence is overwhelming at this point. Folks. This is garbage. The average wage in Russia is eight thousand bucks. So the question you have to answer yourself, uh, ask yourself, and answer yourself at the same time: Would you rather live in a country where the average wage is thirty-five thousand seven hundred dollars, or would you rather live in a country where the average wage is eight thousand dollars? Joe, I'll give you a second to think about that. Mm. Thirty-five thousand or eight thousand? Go. The what 30, do you think? 35,000 thing. Yeah, that's rolling. It sounds about right. Yeah. yeah round yeah. it up 35,700. Uh, yeah. 35, 36. Yeah. Round it down yeah. 35. Of course you'll take 35. This is the, the idiocracy here <laughs> is stunning. <laughs> Folks, this is they're just making this stuff up. I, oh, man, I got a ton of stuff I want to get to. But just quick, too. He trotted out the uh, Tim Ryan did on the Fox and Friends thing. So. Well, let me just recap you. So we're not borrowing money from China first. Number two, the wealthy benefiting from tax rate cuts is a, and it's going to increase inequality is a nonsensical thing. Inequality in the United States is a is a relative term. Would you rather be richer as a, as a poor middle class employee, or would you rather be poorer and have the rich be poorer too? That's the only relevant question, right? Okay. Uh, finally, he trotted out the uh, 
Clinton surplus thing. I'm I'm not I, I I'm not even folks. There's never been a Clinton surplus. I've said this a thousand times. The only question you need to ask your friends about the mythical Bill Clinton surplus. Yeah, well, under Clinton we had a surplus, so we raised taxes. Is name one year the deficit went down um, under Bill Clinton? Just one. The answer is you can't because it never happened because the Bill Clinton surplus is a myth. It's nonsense. It's not true. Okay, I'm not gonna. I, I know my, my listeners are probably tired of hearing about it, but. Yeah, they are. I get emails on it all the time. Like, enough with the Clinton surplus. But it is. It's so. It's an epidemic on the left of citing the Clinton surplus. And there's an epidemic in the media of people citing the Clinton surplus that never actually happened. All right. Today's show brought to you by our buddies at FilterBuy. Folks, it is the perfect time to change your air filters. Now, I know this is something you may not have thought about. Like, gosh, my air filters. Who thinks about air filters? Well, you should. Americans spend up to 90% of their time indoors. I do. I work from home. I do my Fox hits from here. I'll be in for Hannity today on the radio, by the way, from my home studio, if you want to tune in, Sean Hannity. Yeah, Yeah, it's going to be a busy day. They cover uh, Hannity on Sean's uh, Joe station, WCBM. Mm -hmm. But I'm indoors all the time, and the air inside can get very polluted, folks. The pollutants can reach uh, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 times greater levels indoors. Then they're concentrated, blowing through your ducts and everything. It is critical that you change your air filters when i moved into my house the air filters were caked with pollen dust mold allergy aggravating nonsense i have allergies get that stuff out of the air filter by and filterby.com they have double the industry standard merv rating on their filters these guys are like a vacuum for garbage out of your air you'll finally be breathing better cleaner air healthier air inside your house it's filterby.com that's filterby.com and here's the benefit to this company you have a commercial location you have 200 air filters in your factory you have a home where you have two air filters i think i have like four or five in my house overall they will send this to you. They will find the, uh, the filter that meets your type. No problem at all. They're manufactured right here in the United States, and the shipping is free. The shipping is free. If you set up their auto renewal, meaning whenever you say you want, you want your filter once a year, set it up with them, you'll save 5% extra. You don't have to worry about filters ever again. You can't beat that. Filterby.com. That's filterby.com. Again, double the industry standard for uh, Merv rating. These guys are terrific. I, I really appreciate you supporting our sponsors, and there's no better time to change that dirty air filter in your house and breathe some cleaner air than now. Go to filterby.com. That's filterby.com. Thanks to Filterby for helping us out. We really appreciate the sponsors of our show. Okay. Gosh, that was only story number two. I have like four <laughs> or five more I wanted to get to. All right. Here's a, just a quick one here. This is really bothering me, and I'm trying to be very delicate about this story, folks. If I can be uh, frank and candid with you for a moment, I, I'm very sensitive, and I mean this. I know we be we're uh, you know we're sarcastic and uh, on the show, and Joe and I can try to elicit a good laugh because I, I think it it helps humor helps kind of put people uh, at ease, mm-hmm. and it makes the information flow a little easier. Mm-hmm. But I mean this with all my heart. I am very sensitive to the the needs of people who've worked their entire lives in the United States. I'm not trying to be melodramatic or hyperbolic, but if you're a trucker, um, if you're a, a steel worker, if you're an electrician like my brother, a plumber like my father was, I grew up around a, a overwhelmingly, my, my grandfather was a bar owner, uh, overwhelmingly blue collar family. 
You know, Joe's pretty much a blue collar guy too. It seems like yeah. a services industry, Joe. But Joe doesn't <laughs> believe me. It could be exhausting. Poor guy's on his feet all day at the radio station, starting like four o'clock in the morning. Plus, I've worked it's a tough the, gig. I used to work at the shipyard as well here in Maryland. Mm-hmm. If you see Joe at CPAC or whenever, you'll see like he's got the the scars of a life of blue collar work. Yeah. I mean, I did. I was a grave digger in a cemetery. Right. Uh, you know, I, I worked in supermarket stock and shelves. Uh, And I remember specifically going to fill in at WMAL in Washington, D.C. when I used to live in Maryland. I used to guest host the morning show a lot. And as Joe knows, you're on the road at like three o'clock in the morning. Mm -hmm. And I used to see these truckers sleeping on the side of the road in their rigs. And I think, God bless these guys and these women out there. That is a tough, tough line of work. Driving around the country in traffic all the time, making sure the products get it to the table. So, uh, you know, a long opening, but I want to make sure you understand. I am absolutely sensitive to the fact that you really work hard. Mm Mm-hmm. But to a lot of the manual laborers out there who are members of unions, guys, ladies, you got screwed. I don't know any other way to tell you that. Um, Again, just like I'll say to Social uh, Security recipients, I'm not blaming you, but the government worked you. We used to say in New York when I grew up, you got worked. You got worked. (laughs) Yeah. They said, oh, give us your payroll tax money. We'll put it in a lockbox and we'll give it to you later. That's not what happened. You got worked. The same thing is happening right now with a lot of what they call multi-employer pension plans. What are these? These are these are big pension plans that work across uh, industries sometimes. So you may have some truckers in one. You may have some steel workers in one. Bottom line is there are a lot of union pension plans that are in these multi-employer pension plans. And Joe, right now, a lot of them are going bankrupt. Mm. Here are some numbers from a piece of the Daily Signal. Really short, really sweet. It'll be in the show notes at Bongino.com. Check it out. They have set aside a lot of these multi-employer pension plans that are going to affect a lot of our truckers and people people who work hard. Again, I'm not knocking you at all. Please don't take it the wrong way. They have set aside, Joe, less than 60% of the benefits they actually promised to pay. The shortage is an astonishing $600 billion. Folks, that sucks. I'm sorry. But that's really bad. Now, a lot of these pension plans paid insurance to a a government enterprise uh, called the Pension Guarantee uh, Corporation, Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporation. Now, basically what that is, it's kind of like the FDIC, where the banks pay a certain amount of money to get government insurance for a certain amount of deposits. I think you're covered up to 250000 or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Well- the way the pension benefit guarantee uh, corp would work is a similar kind of way. These pension plans pay in, a, in a, basically a premium to uh, this government enterprise there, and they they guarantee. I think it's up to thirteen thousand dollars in benefits or something like that. But that's it. Why am I bringing any of this up? Because these plans are bankrupt, and they are now lobbying lawmakers in D.C to bail them out again with taxpayer money, your money. Folks, this is not a knock on the people who put their money in the pension plans, just like the Social Security recipients did. But, you know, when I wrote my second book, and I meant it, and I say it on this show a lot, that it's time to get big. Folks, we all have to get big. This is wrong. I'm sorry, but this is wrong. And I know I'm going to get some emails from people who are members of these pension plans. They're like, well, why is it wrong? You know, uh, everybody else is feeding at the government trough. We should get a bailout too. You know what I'm saying, Joe? The government taxpayers, why not pay us our full pensions? Yeah. Folks, once that starts, that cascade of hands in the cookie jar, which has already started, 
do you realize the path to bankruptcy is not only expedited, it's expedited dramatically. What's next? Are American doctors going to ask for a bailout for for hospitals that don't, you know, that that go under? Are what, what are hedge funds going to ask for a bailout for losses on their investments? Folks, with the taxpayer, this is a great uh, quote by the Daily Signal, by the way. The, the quote by the Daily Signal is, why should taxpayers be on the hook for private pensions outside of the guarantee that they, you know, the, the insurance guarantee paid to the Pension Benefit Guarantee Corp? Mm-hmm. Why should we be on the hook for them? We had no seat at the negotiating table. I thought it was a, a very well-worded point. We, Joe, did you get a say in this? No. No. I don't think so. No. You never got a vote, right? No, no one came by on a census application or something. It's a joke. Can I interview? How do you feel about the benefits guaranteed by the uh, uh, pension guarantee, uh, pen, uh, uh, pension benefit guarantee corp to private pensions? How do you feel about that as a taxpayer? Go. No, <gasps> never was asked. No, yeah, never. Neither <laughs> was I because it never happened. We had no seat at the table to negotiate any of this. So why should taxpayers be responsible for the bailout? Now, you may be saying, oh, it's easy for you to say. You probably make a nice salary over there. I do. But, folks, Joe knows well. When I left the Secret Service, I had nothing. I gave up my pension completely. I didn't lobby the government to pay me because I wanted to run for office. Mm -hmm. Guys, ladies, I'm sorry, but this is just wrong. This is not right. There are other taxpayers out there working hard to save for their own retirement. The, The country is not full of daddy warbucks. You know, it's funny how they talk about the 1%, but what about the 99% who are working really hard? Why should they be responsible? Because the pension funds, some of these these union operations were entirely, completely mismanaged. Why are we responsible for that? Here's a quote from the piece, too, by the way, because some people are saying, well, it benefits the taxpayer anyway, because if we bail out the pension funds, Joe, the Pension Benefit uh, Guarantee Corp., which is in a way, kind of taxpayer subsidized, they won't be enforced. They won't be forced to pay the money. But that's nonsense. They said, but that's impossible. This is a quote. For starters, the Guarantee Corporation is not taxpayer funded. In other words, Joe, mm-hmm. the pensions pay the premiums, not the taxpayers. Got it. So taxpayers cannot be on the hook for its unfunded liabilities. And second, even if taxpayers were required to bail out the corporation, it cannot possibly be more expensive to provide a portion of the promised benefits than it would be to provide 100% of the plan's promised benefits. Folks, this is not fair. I'm sorry. This is not fair. It's time for all of us to take the, take a collective hard look in the mirror and ask what kind of country we want to be. I am not blaming you. Your pension operation failed you. They did not put enough money aside. They are 16, uh, $600 billion short. They only have 60% of the benefits. But I'm sorry, I have my own kids to worry about right now, and so do a lot of other middle-class taxpayers, including Joe. Mm-hmm. Why am I now paying for your retirement as well as my own, as well as the entitlement structure in the United States because Social Security was not properly funded and not properly secured either? I'm paying for everyone else but myself at that point. It's not fair, folks. Read the piece in the Daily Signal. This is not right. I'm, I'm, I'm playing with you as, a, as, as, as a, a, a friend and an ideological patriot here with you. That we have to start standing for something, even though they're difficult decisions to make. We can this. If your lawmaker even sniffs doing this, even hints about doing this, bailing them out, I'm telling you, you better make a big stink. Call their office, email their office. This is not right. And I get it. There are going to be some Republicans out there. I, I know that de- Democrats love handing out money to anyone, so it doesn't really they'll vote for anything. 
But there will be some Republicans out there who will say, well, we're going to lose middle class votes because there are people out there. Folks, no, we're not. And if we do, folks, we stood on principle and we did the right thing. Sometimes it's more important to do the right thing and not the easy thing. This is the wrong vote. Do not allow this to happen. It will never, ever end. You will be next, I promise. Something is going to happen. It's going to bankrupt some company next. And what? You'll be at the table next and then your neighbor's going to pay for you? What did Milton Friedman always say? The joke of the whole thing about taxpayer money is you think your neighbor's paying for something, but he's saying the same thing. It's not fair, folks. All right. Today's show also brought to you by our buddies at iTarget. Big fan of these guys. I get a lot of questions about um, about iTarget. People love it. They want to buy two or three uh, different uh, versions of it for the different firearms there. What is iTarget? Well, first, let me give you the website. It's iTargetPro.com. And the inventor's a genius. He figured out a while ago that, hey, these competitive shooters show, people who do this for a living, mm-hmm. they dry fire. 10 times more than they live fire at the range. You know, dry fire, where it's not a round in the weapon. Right. You just basically pull the trigger and you work on your trigger control, your sight alignment. These are what we, in the Secret Service, we used to do, we'd put a, a, a coin on the end of the gun, and obviously it's unloaded, and you would slowly pull the trigger. And the goal was to get that coin, whether it was a dime or a penny, whatever. You put it on the end of the gun near the front sight to not move at all. And it was a way to teach you to not anticipate, to line up your sights. Folks, anybody can shoot a firearm. Anyone. It's not hard. Pull trigger. The question is, can you shoot it accurately? That is what's going to make you different. God forbid you're involved in a life and death self-defense scenario. iTarget Pro solves your problem. Listen, range time is great. You need it. But the bottom line is most of us can't afford it. We can't afford to go to the range every month. It's expensive. You have range fees. You have ammo fees. You got to come home. You got to clean your gun. You got to drive to the range and back. It takes a lot of time. If you can do it, great. Most of us can't. Here's what iTarget Pro does. They, they will send you a laser bullet. You drop it in a firearm you have now. You don't have to do anything else with it. It's not going to damage your gun. It's not going to hurt your gun at all. You have a 9mm like I do. You drop the 9mm round in there. And every time you depress the trigger, it's going to emit a laser. And the laser goes onto a target they send you, and it shows you exactly where your rounds go. You watch this thing, your marksmanship is going to go boom. Pun intended. By Monday, if you start practicing, by by uh, if you start practicing on Monday, by Friday, your marksmanship is going to go through the roof. People send me emails with screenshots of their progress. It's amazing. Go check it out. It's itargetpro.com. That's itargetpro.com. Use promo code Dan, and they'll give you ten percent off. My first name Dan. Check this thing out itargetpro.com. The feedback on this product is tremendous. It makes an amazing Christmas gift. itargetpro.com. All right. Uh, Final story here of the day. So Joy Reid from MSNBC, who is always a uh, cornucopia of of liberal ideological dopiness, (laughs) came out with something, I think it was on Friday or over the weekend during her show. She said, you know, Trump is an authoritarian of the first order. Oh, yes, Joy, that makes a ton of sense. So let's go through the authoritarian things Trump did to uh, increase his power. And of course, Trump is a future monarch, as Joy Joy Reid believes. So let's go through a couple things. So uh, regulatory reform. Trump has now dumped 635 government regulations, delayed 244, and shelled 700 more. Uh, uh, let me see. Scratching my ears, head scratching sound. I think we need a sound effect for that. If someone has a good one, send that in. Uh, Ron P is always good for that. So we need a good head scratching sound. Oh, so he's, a, he's trying to increase and concentrate his power, Joe, because he's an authoritarian, as Joy Reid from MSNBC said, while he simultaneously is scrapping government regulations that <laughs> increase government power. Hey, 
Good, Joy. You nailed it again. You are really. You are so smart. Your fa- does your family <laughs> are they the ones reinforcing you at the end of every show? Like Joy, you so nailed it that time. So he's dumping regulations at a record rate. But yes, of course, he's an authoritarian. Secondly. Supports a Supreme Court justice in Neil Gorsuch, um, who believes in the limited power of government and the uh, power of the Constitution, a document, at least in the Bill of Rights, of negative liberties, which dictates what the government can't do. Sounds like an authoritarian to me. Mm-hmm. Let's appoint a Supreme Court justice who limits the power of government. Joy- You're a match. You are so good. This woman is a genius. Number three, he has, he has insisted on not filling positions within the executive office of the president, and he's left a lot of government positions vacant. Joe, I don't know about you, but if I'm an authoritarian, Mm. if I'm a future monarch, King Dan or King Joe, Mm -hmm. first move I make, of course, is to actually not hire anyone in my office to enforce my authoritarianism. Does that make any sense? That's a tough one, Dan, yeah. (laughs) My friend, that's a tough one. But again, it's Joy Reid, so we'll give her a pass on that. She's got clearly uh, has issues. (laughs) Uh, two more here quick. So tax reform. Yes, of course, every authoritarian uh, wants to cut taxes and keep money in the pockets of the citizens, the great unwashed by authoritarians. Uh, it's what every authoritarian does, uh, does, Joe. Of course, they give money back to the citizens and don't take the money from. I mean, it's it's isn't that obvious? How did you miss that one? Authoritarianism at its worst, uh, allowing you to keep your own money using their dopey terminology. And finally, uh, last week, uh, Agitpai and the FCC dumped this fictitious net neutrality nonsense. It was nothing neutral about it. It was the government control of the internet. And of course, Joe, that's a move made by every authoritarian. The internet, the largest information trafficking source in the world. When you're an authoritarian, of course, the first thing you do Mm. is scrap government control over the internet and let actual people dictate how it's going to be. Another Joy, your analysis is just absolutely tremendous. I mean, this is a woman who's been so immunized to facts that how she's not horrified and embarrassed by saying such nonsensical crap it's just i don't know how she stays on the air but i'll, I'll put in the show notes a bright bar piece about it it's 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 comical and that's just my commentary on it it's my authoritarian <laughs> only authoritarian in human history decreases the power of the government crap all right folks thanks again for tuning in please go to my email list and subscribe at bongino.com i will send these articles right to your inbox and tune in to hannity later i'll be there on the radio show and i'll be on his tv show as a guest tonight i'll see you all later you just heard the dan bongino show get more of dan online anytime at conservativereview.com you can also get dan's podcasts on itunes or soundcloud and follow dan on twitter 24 7 at d bongino